Right. I've got my camera today. I've got a new website coming up, and I asked everyone to send their pictures to me and like a good church. No one did. So guess what? I'm going to stand up here and take your picture. <laughs> so I will get the pictures that I want one way or another. So I'll take some more, too. Yeah, so if you guys actually have any pictures of the church, people in the church, or yourself, or anything else that's interesting, we invite you to come. Bring it forth. All right. Where were we? We've been talking about how you live this life as a Christian. How we've always had to live the life as a Christian as a, uh, in a world that's different than, than the kingdom of God. And right now we're seeing a change in the world. We're seeing a, a time period that we haven't seen before. I believe we're moving into a time period where the end times that God has spoken about in the book of Revelation. Now, we've always been in the end times. Uh, the uh, scriptures say that. But I think we had a shift in the very end of last year, and it was solidified the very beginning of this year. And it makes the thing, a life, much different. A life that we have to learn how to battle for, for our place. Otherwise, we'll be caught up in what the world's doing. And we're, we're in this world, but we're not part of this world. We're called to be different. We're called to be light. And to be light, we have to be different. Hopefully not weird different, but different because we have the righteousness and presence of the living God on us. And that's a big difference from what the world goes. In the last days it said that they would call evil good and good evil. And we see that today. We see, we see uh, people like this recently, uh, this guy that was, they called him uh, uh, Tiller the Baby Killer. I hate to say things like that, but he was a man that... Killed 60,000 children, 60,000 babies, and people call it good. And yet people would speak up against it, they would call evil. They would call, oh, you are just so closed-minded. Now, if you here have had an abortion, I'm sorry, ask God to forgive you, and it's done. He's that, he's that good, he's that great of a God. But we still will not call evil good. We still will not because we've made a mistake or a sin in the past justify it and make it all right now. So we're different. That's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many things we're different at. So I want to talk about that. Uh, why the sin patterns in our life? Uh, uh, why the harder we try, the poorer we come. Why that as we try to live a life with not having a bunch of sin in it, we end up performing more sin. So how do we live this life that's different? We've been looking in the book of Romans. Romans 8 is where we're in right now. And we've been speaking about that. We've been speaking of two different things. We've been speaking that in Galatians 5, we use this as an example, there was two things. There was a spirit of our nature of man that would come forth and it would produce evil. And there was a spirit of the kingdom which produced the, the fruit of the kingdom. And so we said that these two things, these two, uh, the scripture helps us decide what's going on in our life. This scripture is a dividing point that we know the place where we stand. And the Old Testament shows uh, we couldn't be freed from sin. 
by everything we do. They had sacrifices that went on a continual basis, but they had no power to change and free man from sin. Matter of fact, this Old Testament says there's nobody, no animal sacrifice, nothing can take away man's sin. So what can? And we decided from what the New Testament tells us, only Christ can. I've got a feedback going on here. Only Christ can. Only Christ can give us freedom. We determined, I'm just kind of summing up where we determined that the Old Testament's purpose was to show that we didn't have what it takes. That man's nature on itself was sinful. That no matter what we did or how hard we tried, we weren't going to be free from sin by trying. So the Old Testament showed us our nature and our ability and our own strength. And that we did not have the strength to make it. And this is the very part of the Old Testament, very important part, that we would understand that we'd understand that we're dead in sin without help from Christ. That no matter what we do, we'll never be free from it. And the harder we try, the more entrapped we'll be of it. So the Old Testament was that was its purpose. It, in, uh, it was a tutor. Uh, I think it's Luke uh, uh, three eight through nine. I think it was. It says, uh, if you really turn from your sin, produce fruit that will prove it. And don't start saying to yourself, Abraham is our father. For I tell you that God can raise up Abraham's sons from those stones. Already the axe is at the root of the tree, ready to strike down every tree that does not bear good fruit. And we talked about what the fruit is. The fruit is not what you, what you say or do so much. It's just what's the fruit of your life. Is the fruit of your life a blessing and favor to people? Then that's from the tree of life. Uh, and if the fruit of your life is you end up cheating, lying, stealing, deceit, all the different things, that's the tree of the evil one. It's a tree of uh, human nature itself, human nature that's stuck. The law says it was a tutor. It was to care for us until the proper time. It was to show us the way to go. But it never had and never was intended to have the power to save you. It was only a pointer. It was only to point and show you that you didn't have what it takes. It was only there for the purpose to let you know who you are and your great need for God. So, as long as the law was there, and, and Jesus said, I didn't, I'm not going to take away one pin mark of the law. He says, I came here to fulfill the law. Well, if the law says those who sin, even one sin, or deserve death, then it means that. And that's what the Old Testament says. If, if one sin's enough to cause death, and there's nothing that will take away sin, so they were hopeless and trapped. And if, if you're just there, that's where you stand today, hopeless and trapped. You have a hope, but no provision. Well, Jesus sent the provision, and he did it with his son, who was without sin, who died for our sins. And when he died for our sins and was resurrected, because he had no sin, death couldn't hold him. And we know as Christians, we say yes to God. We're baptized in his death. That's the tradition of baptism. And when you come out of the water, is the resurrection he was. Because the scripture, Romans 7, 1 says, the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. So God in his wisdom allowed us to die with him. He allowed us to die with him. We were buried with him, so we're no longer under the law. See, the law had only the ability to do what? They found that when, you, when you're under the law, man sinned more. 
Because the, the, the opportunity that when it says you can't do this, sees in man's nature the desire to do the wrong that we know better than do. And so we were caught in that place. But now as we are buried in him, we're not under the law anymore. And we have freedom in Christ. We have a freedom that, that says that no matter what we do, we're forgiven. That's a great thing. No matter what we do, big, small, whatever, it's forgiven. It's removed. Now, this is not a license to sin, as, as Galatians speaks of later. It's not a license to sin. Matter of fact, it's, it's the opposite. So we died in Christ, and Jesus was the sin offering. He was the lamb. He was the one who paid the price. He's the one that the Old Testament was a shadow of and pointed to. He was the one. He was the sacrificial lamb. So, we can't keep on trying. The law is for those who are not in Christ. That's what the law exists for now. If you're not in Christ, you're under the law. If you're in Christ, you're not under the law anymore. The indicator of what's going on in that is what happens in Galatians. What's the fruit of in your life? And that's why Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That's what we talked about last week. There's no condemnation. Why? Because we're not under the law. We're dead. We're dead to the law. We're dead to the consequence of the law. We're found in him and alive in him. And Christ dwells, as the song that Julian sang, in us. And it says the same God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And he will raise you from the dead at that time. And he will give life to our souls now. So we have that hope. So that thing brings us up to Romans 8, 5, 8. You, Sebastian, I need uh, that's up there. We're going to read Romans 5, 8. Who wants to read it out loud? Yes, she, I know she's begging to. My official. The reader. New movie. Romans 8, 5 through 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Okay, what does that say? Those are controlled by the sinful nature. Their minds are set on what they, that nature desires. It's, it's death. It's, it's a mind controlled by the spirit. is mind set on the spirit's desires. So as we said before, we look at the different sins that come in our life. And those are what? Indicators of what's on the throne in our life, in our heart. That's who's ruling in our soul, our heart, our spirit. Is depending upon, is seen by what you do. So we said a couple of weeks ago that the sin is not the lying, cheating, and all that stuff. It's the manifestation of the sin. See, because the sinful nature produces a certain thing. The sinful nature is the sin. To choosing to have your own self on the throne of your life. Choosing to make your own choices in life, make your own direction, your own picks of a mate, your own choices of a job, your own choices of a church. That's the sin. 
have running your own life by your own way. Because remember, the lie was that you can become God. So that was a sin, and the consequence of the sin is your actions afterwards. Now, the consequences of the scripture says the consequences of a righteous life in, in God, when it's uh, uh, fully immersed in Him, Him on the throne of your life, is a life that goes after the things of the kingdom. Now, you see people that run their own life do godly things. That happens all the time. People that go after their own desires, even though they can be righteous things, good things, it's still sin if you're running your own life. And this is what this is trying to say. Played out, it's Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Wages, gift. Old Testament, it's the wages of sin because it's, you're under the law. The gift is the New Testament of Christ, not under the law. One brings death, one brings life. One is the old Mosaic law, one's the new law of the Spirit of Christ. Okay, Romans 8, 9 through 11. Matter, uh, matter of fact, I think, didn't it say in that scripture, matter of fact, you can't? Uh, no, maybe it's the next scripture. Got so many of them. Okay, Romans uh, 8, 9 through 11. Someone read that. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Okay. Very thing. This this scripture, this set of scriptures of Roman eight drives what I've been speaking around for a long time. And the reason we're we're going so hard at it, it is so important. It's the centerpiece of the gospel. If you're in him, you're going to produce a certain fruit. If you're in yourself or in the world, you're going to produce another. That's what the different kingdom is. The first kingdom, the first law, was made all based upon your ability to obey and do. Everything was based upon you. By your strength, you're going to do this. By your strength, you're going to do that. By your strength, you're going to obey. Uh, The Pharisees, they worked very, very hard to obey. They did everything. But God looked at them and says, unless your righteousness surpasses theirs, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because on the inside. Because at the moment you're able to do good, then you feel pretty good about yourself. And there is pride. Furthermore, at the moment you do good and you base how you stand on how you did, you're saying that my righteousness is good and well enough to measure up to God's and therefore I should be with him. But the truth is, all that other is to show you that you don't have what it takes. The New Testament's a free gift. It's a free blessing. We get it. So Romans really drives this case in because... If we try to live our life by obeying the rules, what happens? We fail, right? If you've got Romans, if you've caught what I've said so far, if you, if you try to obey by the rules, then you're living by that standard and will be judged by that standard. So, if the, if the Old Testament's true, which it is, is that, that, that this actually produced more sin in man, then it's not by living by the rules that you're going to survive. It's by being in him. 
It's by walking this, uh, this life out in him and being free in him and not worrying about sin. That's right. Not to worry about sin. Because if you're in him, you won't. You'll begin to sin less and less. Begin to sin less and less. There'll be a change in your life. Now, every one of us look behind our lifestyle. We have sin in our life. Every one of us. But there's a change. It's not the predominant stream of our life. If we look behind our life, our fruit is not all garbage. Even a good tree has a bad fruit every once in a while. You know. But we all do. But living our life after him is going to begin to produce a great uh, change and a great difference in the fruit in our life. It's the only way we can change. So if we want to do that, and this is important because if, if we're caught up in sins and how we live, then what happens is when the enemy accuses us through, uh, through our friends and through people in the church and through our mates and through whoever else he's accusing us through, it's always somebody close. It won't have the power if you're not under the rule. He goes, oh, yeah, forgive me. One of my favorite scriptures is that it talks about that if, you, if, the, if somebody sues you on the way to court, it says, you know, work it out with them. Otherwise, they're going to make you, put you in jail and you're going to have to pay the full fine. Well, to me, that scripture speaks of this. So when the enemy comes to me and starts being to accuse me or somebody saying that, I'll agree with them. Yeah, that's right. Oh, thank you, God, for the forgiveness you have. Boom. Done. That's finished. I don't have to deal with that anymore. I don't have to think about it anymore. Because you're designed not to live under condemnation. You're, de- you're designed to live under the freedom of Christ. It's supposed to be free. Unfortunately, so often, because of we get so focused on things, we begin to live by the rules and look just like the rest of everything else. The right-wing Christian thing that was out for a long time, they had some good things to it, you know, right intentions. But what they produce is that very same thing that we're trying to get away from. Rules and regulations. They're saying they point the finger at the homosexual person, you know, and that is sin, homosexualism, just like any other sin. But then they get self-righteous about that. Wrong. We aren't supposed to do that. It doesn't have any power, and it causes us. And when we start judging like that, what happens, guys? Right. By the same measure you use for others, he'll use with you. So if you're measuring other people by rules and regulations, guess what? You've walked away from grace, and that's where you get that, uh, the, uh, the, the parable of the righteous judge, you know, and he goes and forgives the guy all the sins, an immeasurable amount of sins. Forgives him. Believe the God. And that guy, as he walks out, finds his fellow servant and grabs him and says, pay me everything you owe me. He works by the wrong rules. And then the, the, the righteous judge, God, got a hold of that guy and ended up sending him to hell. He says, you're going to go to jail, pay the full thing. Because you were forgiven a great debt, you won't forgive a little of another person's. That's what happens if we choose to go by the rules and regulations. If we do that, what happens is we're judged by that. So we have to stay away from that. So Christ in you is, uh, your spirit is alive. Uh, you... Uh, and the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Wow, that's a powerful word. That one you can't gloss over. You can't gloss over and sit there and think, you know, that's just nice words. You have to grasp it. Because otherwise it's like the enemy that comes in with the bird and steals the seed that doesn't have root. That happens to us all the time. We can't let him steal that. The truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. 
we allow that truth to take root in our life, it will change us. If we allow the enemy to steal it, then we lose. The same one who raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Who will also give life to your mortal body. When is that? Rapture time. When is rapture? I have not a clue. Somewhere before, middle, and after. <laughs> or if you die quicker than uh, Romans 8:12-15. Now this is important as we read this because we're we've been given the total freedom from the law. We're no longer under it anymore, but it doesn't give us a license to live a different life. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For ye did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, what sticks out to you guys with that scripture? Obligation, isn't it? We're now obligated because of what? Because of the forgiveness and mercy that God has extended to us. It's like, to put it in practical terms, it's like if you have a very good friend who gave you a nice car. Okay? Very good friend, right? You would feel, because they gave it to you, an obligation to take good care of it. Because it was a gift, and it's honoring the person that gave it to you. It's in the same sense that we have that obligation with the Lord. It's the obligation to please Him. It's the obligation to reflect Him to other people. We don't have to because of the rule, and the rule has no power to make us do that. We have an obligation because for the love of the one. And that love has power. That love has the power to change us and cause us to do the right things. Then we think of things that you know, not only you know, to reflect and bless him, but we think of the kingdom, that we would be reflecting, reflection of our living God to people. Because the only way most people are going to see God is through you. As my early pastor used to say, you're going to be a witness, good one or a bad one, up to you. <laughs> We've all been both, but it's called to be a good one. So by the Spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of the body. If you do, you'll live. By the Spirit, you are sons of God. And they mean sons of God. You have not received a spirit that makes you slave again, but to make you a son. It says that that's, that's what we've received. And it says... That if you don't have that, it is impossible for you to live that type of life. The Old Testament says it, and the scriptures here says it. It says it's impossible. If, yeah, it's in Romans 5, 8. The mind of a sinful man is death. It is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Nor can it do so. Mind of the sinful man. That's the mind that on the throne of your life 
is controlled by yourself or anybody else but God. There's only two choices, either God on the throne or something else. It can be you, the devil, whatever. He says he's the God of this world. That's what the Bible says, that Satan's the God of this world. And so if he's ruling in your life, then you're going to have a fruit that's not going to be good. It can look good, but it's not going to be a good fruit in front of God. So the obligation we have is not to live by that. So we have a transfer that goes place. Uh, Galatians 3.25, it should be on there. Uh, Galatians, Galatians 3.23-25, can you read that? I'll read it. Before faith came, we were held prisoner by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we have we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Some script, uh, some translations have it as it's, it's like a it's like a, a, a caretaker, like a, like a babysitter. The law was it was a babysitter to the time of Christ. It was the whole that because you notice we've recently had this happen where right and wrong and politically correct has taken the place of God's law. And God's rules. I mean, even if they're not a Christian, we were a Judeo-Christian country, founded on those principles. So whether it's by the rules of laws or anything else like that, or Christ itself, it held the, 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 the cohesiveness of this country together. And what happens when you pull those things out, got out of the schools, got out of, you know, prayer out of there, calling anybody a praise, strange, all the different things like that, there's no right and wrong now. It is, is dependent upon you. That means you're God, of course. Same thing, same lie. When you pull all those things out, it begins to rot. And the more you pull it out, the quicker it deteriorates. And that's what we've seen in the country right now. We see a deterioration, values, any type of representation of God and his, his ability. So we have to be different. We have to be able to stand the onslaught of that. Because let me tell you what, if you don't have a major change in your life, you will change when the first weird thing happens. The first time somebody uh, uh, challenges you. You won't be able to have it. You have to have some binding faith. You know, the early Christians were fed uh, to lions and different things. And and they said, and the scripture says, they refused. They refused to even be released, some of them, because they wanted a better resurrection. They were so focused on the kingdom that no matter what the enemy would do, they would choose God. That's where we have to be. We're in a time a lot harder than that. We really are. It's going to be a lot harder than that coming up. You see a major change. You have to be able to stand. You have to be able to make it. So we have to have this transfer. Matthew 5.17. Next one. Do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not. This is Jesus speaking. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappears, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of the pen will be, uh, will uh, by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the law, these, and teaches, uh, these commandments and teaches others to do so, the same will be called least in the, the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But those who practice and teach those 
commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's powerful scripture. We're called. There's a transfer that's taken place from an old law to a new, from an old way of doing things to a new way of doing things. The transfer doesn't replace, it doesn't negate the other laws. It's a fulfillment of the other laws. So there's a change of priesthood, and when there's a change of priesthood, Hebrews 7.12 says there has to be a change in the law. And there is a change in the law. Now the law is not by rules and regulations, but by the Spirit. This you got to get, guys. It, it's that. The old one was powerless. It was hopeless. It was based upon man's strength and sinful nature uh, to do its best intention. And the new is based on Christ, our power, our hope. Uh, it's Christ's intercession for us. So my encouragement to you today is to be able to say, are you on the throne of my life? Because if you're not, we're going to fail. We have to allow God to. We have to ask him into our heart if you haven't done that. And you have to have him be the ruler of your life. If you don't, you will, you will never make it. This will not work for you. The kingdom of righteousness is before you. And Jesus said, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of hand. We have the kingdom now and yet to come. That's the promise of the scriptures. Partly we take and partake in it now, but yet there is yet to come. We'll see stuff in our lives that will have bad fruit from time to time. But as we enthrone Christ, crown him in our heart over and over again, we'll live a life that will reflect him. We'll have a chance that we wouldn't have any other way. So because we have the righteous God, the righteous king that did this. He set up a rule and regulation as a righteous judge. And when he found out we couldn't pay the price of it, which he already knew, once we recognized it, he came down and paid the price for us. That is the greatest blessing you can have. A God that loves us that much and does those things for us.